want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church here in Columbus. We're at the end of a series called Ambassadors Thriving in an Upside-Down World. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Tenacity in Connecting Eternal Stories. You know, another thing about Nebuchadnezzar was he had what I call Nebuchadnezzar disease. He had a huge ego. And he had a lot of good reason for it. He did a lot of great things. But he had this Nebuchadnezzar disease of look at me, look at what I've done. I am the greatest. I'm the biggest thing. I mean, honestly, when I look at our country, the whole, our whole country has that disease. And if there's something that God is probably wanting to get attention on, and one reason why we need revival, we need God to address the Nebuchadnezzar disease that we have. But I can only imagine what Daniel had to deal with, the drama that Daniel had to put up with. I think that's a maybe even encouraging word of wisdom to us when we're thinking about people that we're praying for, praying that God would touch their lives in his grace. Think about this. God calls us, like Daniel, to patience. Patience. Three decades of patience. Waiting year after year after decade after decade. God, when are you going to get his attention? When are you going to work? When are you going to do it? You ever prayed for somebody like that and you're waiting and waiting and waiting on God to do something? Well, let me just remind you, if we're going to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we're going to have to have patience. We're going to have to wait on him. Listen, listen, God's not in a hurry because you are. God's not in a hurry because you are. God will do his work when he's ready in the way that he decides best. I want us to look back here at the text. You can only imagine being Daniel. You know what this means now. Now Daniel responds, verse 19. He says, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. And the king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, Daniel answered and said, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Now something that's obvious right here in the text, despite the fact that Nebuchadnezzar had totally set Daniel's life on a different course and interrupted every dream Daniel had as a child, and flipped it on its head, Daniel had learned to love Nebuchadnezzar. And right here in the text, even though he, (laughs) uh, I don't know, Nebuchadnezzar ending up in a ditch might mean that Daniel goes home. But notice that Daniel's concern is for Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't just come out and tell him. He stops and he says, I wish that wasn't for you, O king. I wish that was for your enemies. I want to pause this for just a second. We've been talking about this. Um, Christ calls every one of us to be an ambassador. I talked about four things that are important for us to exhibit as an ambassador. First, that God calls us to be a humble learner. Certainly, Daniel had spent years and decades understanding the culture of Nebuchadnezzar. He also had had to learn to live in a religious pluralism of the day there in Babylon. Second of all, God calls us to be wise and gentle communicators, and you're going to see that in a minute. 
But third, God calls us as ambassadors to be fearless believers. Now, you're going to see here in just a second that Daniel is going to be fearless. He's not going to sugarcoat the message for Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to tell it straight. Part of being an ambassador sometimes is looking somebody right in the eye and saying, I love you. I wish I didn't have to say this. But if you keep on your present course, this is not going to go well for you. But finally, and I think the most obvious here right at the beginning is that Daniel was also, and here's the fourth thing, he was a winsome lover of souls. Listen, if we don't care about people who are lost, something's wrong with us. Jesus loved souls. Jesus loved the lost. Jesus was sent to go and seek and save that which was lost. We are called to join him in this mission to find and reach and Give the message of the gospel to those who are lost and who are hurting. Go back to the text with me. You'll see all four of these in different ways at work. Daniel Belteshazzar answers, he says, the tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached the heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived, it is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reached to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. And let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the most high which has come upon my Lord the king that you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Then Daniel, with the heart of God filled with grace, appeals to him to repent. He says, therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Here's the second thing that God wants to do in us as our stories collide with his. God wants to use us as faithful, timely ambassadors bringing his message of grace. And the thing I love about Daniel is even after he's delivered the hardest message he ever had to deal to give to Nebuchadnezzar, at the very end of it, he always did what the gospel does in the New Testament, which is give hope. He says, but repent, repent, and there might be hope for you at the end of that. Now think about this. Daniel had to be patient while he waited for God to do his work. It would be eight more years at least. Eight more years before Nebuchadnezzar would come to fully know who God was and to embrace him as the sovereign that he truly is. It was eight more years after this. 
That'd be great if right now Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself and got off his throne and onto his knees and made a decision to embrace a God that he had seen through Daniel. But look at verse 28. It says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. I want you to just pause for a second. Sometimes we can think back and think, oh, this was some... I mean, I mean, it was great for those days, but like how great really was Babylon? I mean, what, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is sitting on a two-story building and super puffed up about what we would think of as nothing. Let me give you just a sense of what he saw when he was seeing Babylon. A man named Miller writes this. He says, Babylon also boasted the famous hanging gardens, which the ancient Greeks considered to be one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. According to the Babylonian historian Barossus, Nebuchadnezzar constructed these gardens for his wife, who had left the mountains of her native media, think Persia, think Iran, for the plains of Babylonia. Her husband, in effect, built a mountain in the city to remind his wife of her homeland. These elevated gardens, high enough to be seen beyond city walls that probably went 40 feet high, they boasted many different kinds of plants and palm trees. Ingenious hoist had been contrived by which to raise water to the high terraces from the Euphrates River. If you can see in your mind's eye for just a moment, you can imagine you're coming on the plains in Babylon and suddenly you see the city. The walls were probably up to 40. We know they were 40 feet at certain points, 40 feet high. There was an inner wall that was 23 feet wide. There was an outer wall that was 25 feet wide. It was so wide that they could literally have chariots passing each other. And you can imagine as you're coming toward the city and you would see this magnificent, just the walls alone were magnificent. You can see some pictures here. Some of the, they had glazed brick. You can see this. Imagine just coming up and seeing that, not to mention the many temples, the incredible roads, the bridges, all of these put together by Nebuchadnezzar. This writer continues that Babylon was one of the preeminent cities of history and during Nebuchadnezzar's reign undoubtedly was the most magnificent and probably the largest city on earth. Heroditus, the ancient Greek historian, visited Babylon about 100 years after Nebuchadnezzar's time and was overwhelmed by its grandeur. Over 200 years later, Alexander the Great planned to make this city the headquarters of his new vast empire. It's not a small point that Nebuchadnezzar looked out from his palace from an elevated view and saw a massive mountain that he had created, a man-made mountain for his wife. Um, just saying, you can never turn to your wife and say, I've given you something better than any other husband. That's pretty legit. Just saying. Hey, honey, for Valentine's Day, I'm building a mountain in our backyard for you. Just saying. I don't know, pretty impressive. Verse 30. Now he speaks what's in his heart, and he says, And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Those are what's one short sentence. 
coming from one massive ego. One man that had built up a city and built up an empire. Now I have to back up and say this. He had a pretty impressive personal story. If you go back and study Nebuchadnezzar, they were, he was a minority among the Babylonians and his family was really nothing and he rose from nothing to become the emperor of the world. He had a pretty cool story. He had a lot to boast about. The problem was that his boasting was absent of the living God. Certainly Nebuchadnezzar had an attitude that screamed pride. Here Nebuchadnezzar, even right here, in his state of ease, was longing, as many people in our culture do, for a larger meaning. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. If you're listening to Meeting with God, you're clearly interested in God's Word. One of the great joys of my life is seeing people grow together in God's Word on a weekly basis, and these messages are a part of our weekend services. If you don't have a church family, let me invite you to join us this weekend. Our church home is located in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Details are available at verticalchurch.life. Nebuchadnezzar was looking and craving in his spirit to say, I matter. I'm important. I want us to think about our own culture for a minute. The people that God has sent us to reach. I've talked about this before. I'm just going to briefly go through this. Not only is there a story in our culture about pride and achievement, but as I've been talking about in previous weeks, there's really six major cultural stories at work in our country right now. The first one is the eternal kingdom story, the view of biblical Christianity. This is our story. But if you take God out, like Nebuchadnezzar had a huge story, but not God in the middle of it. If you take God out of a cultural story, what do you end up with? Well, let me give you five examples of what you end up with. You end up with a cultural story called science and technology, the view of naturalistic scientism. I'm not talking about normal science. Science is fantastic. But science without God is a problem. This is the story of human brokenness solutions as meaning. Certainly science does awesome things. Medicine does fantastic things that bless millions and even billions of people. But it, as a story by itself, cannot be the ultimate meaning. Or then think about here the second story apart from God, the economy ideology of free market capitalism. Again, not something bad per se by itself, But once materialism is the center of meaning, that more stuff equals more meaning, then it's become a God replacement. Certainly we see that in our culture. Then here's another story, the personhood story, the construction of the postmodern identity. This is the person or the people who've tried to find independent identity to give them value. This is the person that seeks to, uh, and really a whole group of people that try to find their identity in their gender or in their sexuality or in their, I could list a whole bunch more things. Now here's the thing. Every one of these stories has a shard of truth. The truth is, Our identity, when it's found in Jesus Christ, that's where we find our value. Every one of us, every person on earth has great value. We've been created in the image of God himself. 
But when you take God out and you try to find your meaning and your value in some sort of identity that you can create, you're going to run into problems. And God calls us to be the ambassador to every person in that place. Here's two more quickly. The natural world cultural story. The philosophy of environmentalism. Now again, I said environmentalism. This is the person or group of people that try to find ecosystem harmony as meaning. Now again, God calls us to be stewards of our world. We need to do what is right. We need to take care of people and things well. We are stewards before God. But those who find their ultimate meaning, their religious satisfaction in trying to make people and animals and the ecosystem come together and it becomes a religion minus God, that's a problem. Or finally, the cultural story of the state, the ideology of secular pluralism, that is trying to find secular harmony or secular social harmony as meaning apart from God. Now again, every one of these stories have important bits of truth. Now the interesting thing is, as I go through all these stories, you know what's interesting? All of them point toward the kingdom of heaven the longing for the kingdom of heaven, social peace, eco-harmony, provision, all of those point to a longing within the human heart to find peace and a kingdom where there's no conflict, where neighbors love one another. It's interesting how every one of the cultural stories in our culture, minus God, end up in the ditch. But every one of those, those longings is pointing toward a God. We want what God has created in heaven. Now, one of the things about being an ambassador is helping people see what they really need and taking them to the Savior who loves them and wants them to experience the peace that they long for. Look back at verse 31. Now, the response comes. It says, and while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Suddenly Nebuchadnezzar's story came crashing into God's story and God had his full attention. Now this mental illness that God gave him is... I believe it's called lycanthropy, and what it is, it's a, it's a mental illness where people begin to think of themselves as animals. In fact, I did some, there's some research I have here, I'm not gonna give it all right now, but uh, people begin to think of themselves as gerbils or lions or animals, and, and their mind begins to think of that. In fact, there was a story in here of a man who did some research, and he found a particular man back in the 40s who had the exact same symptoms as Nebuchadnezzar did. The guy went out, he ate grass and water, his nails turned uh, like claws, 
and his hair got long, exactly what it's describing here. So, this is a real thing. This happened to a real king. God humbled him and brought the greatest man to a place where his mind didn't even work like a human. Here's the final thought. God is able to remove a person's sin barriers and transform his or her heart and story. Seven years went by. you imagine that? you imagine if seven years went by as the most powerful person in our country was literally like an ox? Imagine all the cultural problems as your king literally can't do anything now, isn't even as mentally coherent as a five-year-old. Year to year to year after year until probably right there at the seven-year mark Verse 34, and at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me, and my counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. You can imagine the emotion of this last verse. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, I praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And here's the story of my life. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Listen, God is able to get anyone's attention. And if you're discouraged today, you're trying to reach people, you're trying to be a faithful ambassador, I want to remind you like Daniel experienced, be patient, wait on God, keep praying. When God is ready, God will get that person's attention. God broke the barrier the barrier of pride and self-glory and brought his grace to bear on Nebuchadnezzar's life. You know, as we think about patience, as we think about waiting, and some of us are discouraged, and here goes another year, and where is God, and why is God not working in this? I want to remind us of 2 Peter 3, 9, which says, and the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Listen, God has a habit of being patient. God has a habit of waiting, not forever, and someday it will end, and someday Jesus will return, but God is patient. Here's the thing I wanna challenge you with. As ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we worship and serve a patient God, and we represent him. And because we represent him, we ourselves need to be patient. I want to challenge you with this. Tenacity plus time opens the door for God to do his transforming work. What if Daniel had become impatient? What if Daniel had given up? What if Daniel had cashed out and said, I'm done, I'm not doing my job anymore? No, he kept doing the right thing. He kept being patient, and at the right time, God used him to impact Nebuchadnezzar's life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a patient God. God, so many of our stories here in this room reflect 
your patience. And God, even when we were running our own way, doing our own thing, trying to find satisfaction, trying to fill the God hole in our hearts with materialism or selfishness or achievement or so many different other things, Lord, you were patient. Lord, I thank you for the example of Daniel being a patient ambassador. Lord, would you help each one of us to be patient patient to let you do your work in your time, patient not to explode or lose our temper or give up or stop praying. God, help us to be tenacious and to wait on you. Lord, you have to do the work of transformation. You have to get the attention of those people in our lives. All we can do is be a faithful ambassador, but help us to do that. Lord, help us to be the faithful ambassadors you call us to be. Help us to thrive in that as your spirit empowers us. We pray this in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We hope you were encouraged in your own relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please subscribe to our Vertical Church Columbus podcast. There you will find an extensive collection of sermons from Vertical Church worship services and other unique content from Pastor Luke, which will enrich your faith and point you to Christ. You can find the podcast by searching Vertical Church Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.